Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. The show is brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. The Olimel pork processing plant at Red Deer, shut down for two weeks due to COVID-19, is about to reopen. Half of Saskatchewan's hogs are usually shipped to the plant, and we have a reaction from the GM of Sask Pork. Canada's Minister of Agriculture has a useful meeting with her new U.S. counterpart. The province warns don't feed the deer even in bitterly cold weather. Ottawa pumps millions to help small prairie meat processors deal with the coronavirus, and StatsCan releases the latest cattle numbers. We also have the latest cattle market report from the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain. Helping growers contract any type of grain, call 1-800-324-7778. Employees at the Olimel plant in Red Deer have been told it might be gradually reopened this week. It depends on Alberta Health and Occupational Health and Safety, who inspected this past Monday. Part of the plant may reopen today and the rest tomorrow. The plant has been closed for more than two weeks as it deals with the COVID outbreak among employees. Officials say they have done even more to make sure there is distance between workers. If the plant does reopen this week, it will come as good news for hog producers on the prairies as they're seeing a backlog on their farms. The manager of Sask Pork, Mark Ferguson, says half of Saskatchewan's hogs are processed at the Red Deer plant. Uh, we're hearing in the next several days they're hoping to reopen and, and start to move hogs through and obviously it's going to be a scaled up reopening. It's not going to be, be uh, full processing on the first day. So, you know, that's what we're hearing. Ferguson explains the importance of a smooth opening. Well, the facility uh, at Red Deer has been closed for about two and a half weeks now. So that's two and a half weeks worth of production that has been stranded at farms and producers have been feeding those hogs and they've been growing and and the challenge at the farm is you you run out of room in the barn so the sooner we can get those animals moving the better and we're hoping that this reopening goes smoothly and does happen at the tail end of this week. And how have producers been coping with the shutdown? I think producers have been coping as well as they can where they have been able to ship a few loads out to some of the other processors they have. We've heard that some feeder pigs have been moved out and exported to the U.S. to make some extra room. So I think I think they're coping just about as well as they can. But, you know, two weeks is about the extent of how, how much room you can make in your barn and, and what you can do. So, 
you know, the situation will become more serious if it doesn't reopen soon. Ferguson says shipping hogs to the U.S. can be costly. Exactly. So we're hearing that there are avenues in the U.S. to move hogs to if producers need to, and so that's really great news that there is that capacity there. But there's no plants anywhere close to the Canada-U.S. border, so you end up moving them into, you know, southern Minnesota and Iowa, and the freight to do that is significant. So producers, if they take that step, it's at a a large financial loss for sure. So most are hoping to not have to do that. Olimel is moving its own pigs to the U.S. to free up capacity for independent Canadian producers and estimates it will take five weeks to clear a backlog of up to 90,000 animals once the plant reopens totally. Meantime, 24 meat processing plants in Western Canada received federal funding to improve safety measures during the COVID-19 pandemic. The total amount was $7.8 million, according to Jim Carr, a Winnipeg Liberal MP and special representative for the Prairies. Companies are using the funds to make adjustments to enable social distancing, to purchase PPE, to install protective barriers to increase sanitation and to train their employees. Dixon Gould is the president of Winkler Meats in Manitoba and says the money has been put to good use. What we are actually doing is we're upgrading our harvest side of our facility and with the increased uh, social distancing that we will be able to definitely increase our supply coming to our plant almost to the magnitude of uh, 50% expansion on on their supply side. Gould says that means processing more pigs in Canada. We primarily do sows, and within that side of the market, historically the vast majority of those sows were going on a 28-hour ride to Wisconsin, Tennessee, and different places where now we're able to harvest those ones locally and create that value-add opportunity in Canada as opposed to exporting it southward. Sixteen companies in Alberta received money through the federal program, along with five in Manitoba and three in Saskatchewan. The Saskatchewan facilities are Drake Meat Processors, Pineview All Natural Meats, and Prairie Pride Natural Foods. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. Canada's Agriculture Minister held her first official bilateral discussion with the new U.S. Secretary of Agriculture yesterday. Marie-Claude Bebeau and Tom Vilsack reinforced the strength of the agriculture-trade relationship between the two countries. The plan is to continue working together to beef up and maintain agriculture supply chains throughout the pandemic to make sure producers on both sides of the border are finding markets for their products and consumers getting food at affordable prices. The national cattle herd continues to shrink, but Saskatchewan is the one province going against that trend. Stats Canada reports on-farm national cattle numbers were down 1% at the beginning of this year compared to January 1, 2020. It has been a steady decline with inventories down more than 25% from the peak on January 1, 2005. While the beef herd in most provinces is steady to lower, Saskatchewan is the exception. For example, there were 1,091,300 beef cows on Saskatchewan farms January 1st. That's an increase of 16,800 head over the previous year. There were 164,200 beef replacement heifers, up nearly 12,000 head from January 1st, 2020. Sandy Russell is a partner with Spring Creek Land and Cattle Consulting in Outlook, northwest of Regina. Our inventory was up, total cattle inventory was up 2.5%, and our beef cows are up 1.5%. So those are 
significant numbers and something I think is worthwhile watching. When we look at our replacement heifers, a substantial increase of almost 8%. And interestingly enough, you know, our steers over one year of age are what we would start to look at to try to get a picture of the number of cattle on feeding Saskatchewan. That number was up 8.6% over January 1, 2020. So there's some numbers to watch to keep an eye on. Again, I always caution, like I said, with survey data, but definitely something going on here in Saskatchewan with regard to the cattle inventories compared to what we're seeing in the other regions. Russell says it's difficult to pinpoint a specific reason for the higher cattle numbers in Saskatchewan. And I think there definitely has been a quiet movement to some increased capacity here in Saskatchewan for cattle on feed numbers. And some of the policies when I, I and this is strictly speculative on my part, um, but when you look at some of the policies related to irrigation and some of the significant moves in agriculture that have happened, hopefully that's starting to translate into cattle inventory here in the province. It's early, and that is, like I said, purely speculative at this point, but um, there are clear reasons to start to watch these numbers as we go forward and, and see what the shift is going to be long term. While Alberta continues to have the largest cattle numbers in Canada, there were year-to-year declines. When we look at why the national numbers are down, there's a lot of regions that have seen declines. And of course, Alberta being the largest beef producing region of the country, their inventory is down 3.3%. Their beef cows would be called basically steady down marginal. And so that's the impact that's driving. Um, there's other regions, you know, Manitoba saw a decrease as well. So this is by no means a, a reason in Saskatchewan to say we're going to drive the national herd. We're not. The largest component of the beef industry in Alberta is, is seeing a shift downward and driving that shift. Stats Canada says the number of Alberta steers on feed over one year of age was down about 8% year over year as of January 1st, 2021. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Sean Haney here with RealAgriculture.com and Real Ag Radio on Rural Radio 147. We've got some new leadership at Pulse Canada. Joining us right now is Greg Cherowick. He is the new leader of Pulse Canada. Hey, Greg, how are you? Not too bad, Sean. Thanks for having me. Yeah, hey, congratulations on the new gig. Well, thanks. Um, it's exciting for me personally, but, you know, I think more than anything else, it also feels quite natural. You know, I've been with the organization now for uh, 17 years. It started out here in 2004. Actually, maybe that's not true. I was, I was a summer student with Gordon Bacon in 1998, so I've been here a while. feels a bit like I've started out by sweeping the floors almost. You know, I, I've done a lot of things here uh, with the organization since 2004. I've uh, conducted bean market intelligence in rural you know, China. I've run EP trials across Asia developed and managed a Canada-Mexico Bean Congress, which had us moving around rural Mexico for three years and worked closely on this India file for you know, 17 years now. And 
managed the, the transportation file as the director of transportation for three years, oversaw the trade rules and arbitration appeals for the CSTA. So, you know, I feel like I had an opportunity to work in a number of different areas, and, and even more recently, I've been you know, taking on the management role. So, this is a final stage of a transition. It feels very natural, like a very natural evolution here for me at Pulse Canada. Obviously, you spent a lot of time with the former CEO, Gordon Bacon, talked to him lots in the past, uh, n- numerous issues Pulse Canada is working on. Do, do you do you feel like his protege, so to speak, or with yourself <laughs> now in this role, can we expect, uh, are you going to go in a different direction on some of these files? Well, I mean, first of all, Gordon Bacon, well, like, well-respected within the, within the Canadian industry, specifically within the Canadian Pulse industry, well-respected by the, you know everybody within government that we interact with, and, and the same can be said with his reputation on the international pulse scene. So, um, big shoes to fill, but, you know, it's been such a privilege to work with the man for 17 years to learn from him, and and I don't expect that that relationship necessarily ends with this transition. I think formally and informally, he'll still advise me and, and the team of it going forward, and in all likelihood, we'll be working on some initiatives together going forward. So, so this is yet another part of the transition. But um, to answer your question, no, I, I don't think this is a that you're gonna you're gonna feel a hard stop and, a, and an absolute new beginning. We are uh, fortunate in that we've been given a clear mandate by the board, and we're very much in the middle of a, of a long-term strategy. If we look ahead here, Greg, what are some of the things that uh, are are real like real focuses for you? Well, you, you're likely familiar with the 25 by 2025 strategy, and maybe your listeners aren't. This is a strategy or a directive from the Pulse Canada board to establish you know, markets for 25% of our productive capacity, new uses, new market opportunities for 25% of our productive capacity by the year 2025. With that directive came a 2 million ton target for us. So we as staff of, at Pulse Canada have worked with our staff members at, and member organizations to develop sub-targets within that 2 million tons for peas, lentils, chickpeas, beans, and fava beans. So we put together a really sophisticated strategy designed to achieve those tonnage targets by looking at the opportunities for pulse flowers, starches, fibers, and proteins, which end-use products, which applications, which companies do we need to be working with in order to maximize the potential of achieving those targets? And you know, and beyond beyond just marketing to them and using the information that we have, we're also creating a research strategy that's designed to fill the knowledge gaps that might exist that might prevent us or, or constrain us from achieving those those tonnage targets. So, really excited about that. Um, you know what's more exciting than just the 25 by 2025 strategy that we're working on right now i think is the fact that that particular strategy aligns really well with what's happening on a global scale that is that shift towards or that interest in shifting diets towards ones that are nutritious and sustainable this spring apply pre-emergent edge microactive group 3 herbicide from gowan canada before seeding your canola Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. 
Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today, partly cloudy skies. The high plus 5, winds up to 15 kilometers per hour, the low minus 7. Thursday, mainly sunny, winds up to 15K, the high plus 6, wind chill minus 13 in the morning, the low minus 5. Friday, sunny with a high plus 11, the low 0. Saturday, sunny, the high 14 degrees, the low minus 3. Sunday, partly cloudy, the high plus 7, the low minus 5. Monday, partly cloudy, the high plus 7, the low minus 4. Tuesday, partly cloudy, the high plus 2. Normal high is minus 3, the normal low minus 15. The sun rose at 7.38 this morning. It sets at 6.43 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot, plus 9 degrees at Maple Creek. The cold spot, minus 12 at Uranium City. Estevan is plus 3. Saskatoon, minus 9. Swift Current, plus 4. Weyburn, plus 3. Yorkton is minus 5 degrees. Regina is cloudy and minus 1. That's 30 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the south southwest at 6. Humidity is 81%. The barometer rising 101.5. Moose Jaw sunny and plus 4. Winds are from the northeast at 5. Once again, Regina cloudy and minus 1. That's 30 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com And brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems expect the best. Dairy Farmers of Canada is asking its members to consider an alternative to palm supplement pending the outcome of a study by stakeholders and experts. It is not a health-related issue, but surrounds consumer concerns that butter is not softening to a spreadable consistency at room temperature. Small amounts of pomatic supplements are sometimes given to boost the cow's energy level. Andrew Campbell is known online as the fresh air farmer and has a dairy farm in Ontario. So what we've done in the past is coming into summer, particularly based on you know, what type of hay we have or grass or corn silage or whatever it happens to be, if we need to give them a little bit of a bump of energy, we found that these fats are one of the most efficient ways to be able to do that. So we can just give a little bit to it, support them through, you know, kind of the worst of the summer. And then once things cool down, we get back to, you know, just the regular stuff. On his farm, they follow a feed nutritionist recommendation. So, you know, based on their advice, you know, we put it in for those few weeks and then we pull it out. And when we do put it in, you know, we're talking about a few grams for a cow that's eating tens of pounds of feed. So it is one of those things that in terms of the amount, as well as the length of time, is pretty small. The ingredient used in dairy cow rations is not pure palm oil, but a byproduct. The Saskatchewan Environment Ministry is recommending residents not feed wildlife in harsh winter weather. Environment Ministry wildlife biologist Catherine Conkin says most species are well adapted to surviving harsh Saskatchewan winters. She says the natural inclination is to put out feed to minimize damage to trees and shrubs, but that's not a good solution. 
She says supplemental feeding can do more harm than good. The natural inclination for many people is to put out feed to minimize, uh, you know, uh, natural mortality, winter-related starvation, damage to trees and shrubs. It's not a great solution. Trying to help wildlife through supplemental feeding or feeding programs can actually end up in these animals, causing these animals more harm than good. You know, when deer eat carbohydrate-rich food sources during the winter, such as grain or hay that people often like to put out, they can actually die from a process known as ruminacidosis, or bloat is what it's commonly known. It can also have some other negative consequences. It draws animals or can draw animals from long distances away from where there is good winter cover and natural food sources. This can also increase predation and disease transmission, certainly Chronic wasting disease is a concern in our province, and congregating animals isn't a, isn't a good thing for that. So what if they're just doing what the cattle do? They go over to the haystack and they get a little bit of hay. Is that not okay? It's not ideal as far as um, they, they can uh, undergo bloat from that. You know, they we hope that they will regulate some of their intake. In these tough winters when natural food sources are, are hard to come by, they're going to go where the food is, regardless of, of what that food source is. So you're saying just don't feed the deer. It's just too hard on them. And now, what do you say the government is doing to help ensure that deer don't starve in huge numbers? Yeah, so natural mortality is a natural course of these deer. that They are at the northern extent of their range, but they are well adapted to surviving Saskatchewan winters. And so they tend to be fairly resilient. We we do monitor uh, mortality throughout the year and we'll adjust sort of hunting seasons accordingly based on how the populations are doing. What about those who want to help conserve wildlife? What recommendations do you have in that area? Yeah, for sure. Well, residents interested in helping Saskatchewan wildlife can certainly participate in a variety of conservation initiatives that help preserve wildlife and, and their habitat. You know, habitat is a key uh, need for these species. So if they've got natural habitat, um, then they won't be tempted to go to non-natural food sources and, and cover. You know, we also encourage any interested folks to participate in our cooperative wildlife management surveys, which are just a, a survey where you, you submit observations of animals to our wildlife biologists and remain engaged in wildlife management activities, such as our hunter harvest survey. Those are key data sources we use to manage wildlife in the province or game species in the province. And so the more uh, information we can get through those channels, the, the better our decision-making can be. And what about farmers, residents concerned about wildlife-related damage on their property? What do you recommend there? Yeah, residents concerned about wildlife-related property damage, both from a prevention and insurance perspective, are encouraged to visit the Saskatchewan Crop Insurance Corporation's website because they do lead the programming and, and there's a lot of information on there about prevention techniques and their compensation programming. Catherine Conkin is a wildlife biologist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of the Environment. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And by Canadian AgriBlend. Ask for the livestock products at your feed dealer or for a feed dealer near you. Call 1-800-340-2311. 
Saskatchewan feeder cattle prices were mixed during the past week. Acting Provincial Cattle Specialist Natasha Wilkie says slaughter cow prices moved up $5 per hundredweight, but feeder prices were mixed. Well, they were mixed this past week, so not as good stories the last couple of weeks, but still okay. Um, so yeah, they're mixed when compared to prices reported the previous week. The largest price increase was seen in the 300 to 400 pound weight category. Those guys went up $2.12 per hundredweight to end the week averaging 273.25. The largest price decrease we saw was in the 800 to 900 pound weight category. Those guys went down $3.88 per hundred weight to end the week, averaging 177.92 per hundred weight. And then we look at the 700 to 800 pound weight category. They ended the week at an average price of 193.21 per hundred weight. When we look at the feeder heifer prices, they were also mixed across the report weight categories. The largest price increase there was in the 400 to 500 pound weight category, with those girls going up $1.51 per hundred weight to end the week averaging 210.61. The largest price decrease we saw there was in the 800 plus pound weight category. Prices went down $3.36 per hundred weight to end the week averaging 160.64 per hundred weight. And then we look at the 700 to 800 pound weight category. They ended the week with an average price of $170.31 per hundred weight. What were the factors influencing these price changes this past week? Well, I'm going to be called a broken record because I'm going with inventory again. Uh, deliveries were up this past week, and I'm guessing that's pretty much due to the nicer weather that came into play. What were marketings? So Canfax reported a total of 24,092 head of cattle sold in Saskatchewan last week, and that's up from 8,610 head the previous week, and still more than the 16,308 head marketed during the same week in 2020. What happened with market-ready cattle prices? Well, this is a good news story. We saw even further price increases for non-fed cattle. With the price of D2 slaughter cows, they experienced quite a large price increase of $5.46 per hundred weight to average $86.86. The price of D3 slaughter cows saw an even bigger increase with prices going up $6.56 per hundred weight from the previous week to average $76.31 per hundred weight. And then we look at the fed cattle prices for Alberta fed steers last week was reported at $150.91 per hundred weight. And this unfortunately was down $1.25 from $152.16 per hundred weight the previous week. Acting Provincial Cattle Specialist Natasha Wilkie compiles the weekly cattle market summary for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source 620 CKRM. Market Update brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hollis Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. And Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. Viterra prices were showing downward movement in early trading. Canola fell 60 cents at $707.47. Number one red spring wheat went down 90 cents at 281.21. The rest were unchanged. Durham, three twelve thirty two. Feed barley, two hundred fifty three dollars seventy two cents. Flax, eight thirty eight eighty. Lentils, six forty four fifty. Oats, two twenty nine fifty three. Yellow peas, three ninety two eighty nine. Feed wheat, two thirty eight eighty four. The Minneapolis spring wheat May futures are down five and a half cents at six thirty nine and three quarter cents a bushel. Airs.com. It's the Livestock Reports on The Source, 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. And now, the latest Livestock Quotes. Assiniboia Livestock had a calf and yearling pre-cert sale on February 23rd and a regular cow and bull sale on February 24th. 
450 to 500 pound steers sold from 225 to 246. 500 to 550 pound steers sold from 242 to 246. 550 to 600 pound steers sold from 225 to 235. 600 to 650 pound steers sold from 212 to 222. 650 to 700 pound steers sold from 202 to 213. 700 to 800 pound steers sold from 190 to 204. 800 to 900 pound steers sold from 174 to 160. The heifers are 20 to 30 cents back from the steers. The cows and bulls have came up from our last sale. Hefferets sold from 122 to 144. D1 and D2 cows sold from 79 to 94 cents. D3 cows sold from 62 to 72 cents. And slaughter bulls sold from 104 to 114. This is Jordan Stevens with the Sinnoh Boy Livestock Market Report. And now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. Ham sold 7,200 hogs Tuesday, selling in a range of 186 to 198 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 6,300 head, selling in a range of 187 to 203 per CKG. Ham's cash hog price today is up and forward contract prices opened higher this morning. On Tuesday, the Canadian dollar is up 22 basis points, with a daily exchange rate at 1.2626. The Canadian dollar is currently trading at 79.28 cents U.S. Daily U.S. cash markets are all higher relative to the previous day. The value of the pork cutout continues to track along the 2014 trend and has been only about 5.5% lower since the beginning of the year on average. The extent to which the current trajectory is held remains to be seen. There are some market watchers calling for a cooling off period, especially after the Easter weekend holiday. And the latest pork prices for the Brandon Moose Jaw Plants, 187.29 per CKG, continues to move upward. Coming up, the Resource Report. The Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report. A statement from Nutrien says, in an effort to make operations as efficient as possible, the company is streamlining operations. Executive Vice President and CEO Ken Seitz says there will be fewer than 50 employees affected at Saskatchewan's headquarters in Saskatoon. He says the company is moving to a more automated system. In some cases, he says there may be transfers to other areas of Nutrien. Seitz adds that Nutrien is communicating with employees this week to support them through the transition. Nutrien is the world's largest provider of crop inputs. The Canadian economy retreated by a record-breaking 5.4% last year as the COVID-19 pandemic shut down businesses and threw millions out of work. Since the initial hit last spring, economic activity has been slowly and steadily growing. Stats Canada says the economy grew at an annualized rate of 9.6% in the fourth quarter of last year. That was better than economists had expected, but down from growth of 40.6% in the third quarter. Stats Canada's early estimate for growth in January is pegged at 0.5%. On the markets, Canada's main stock index was down in late morning trading amid losses in the technology and utility sector, while energy stocks moved higher as price of oil rose. The TSX Composite Index was down 35 points at 18,386. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 135 points at 31,526. The Canadian dollar traded at 79.24 cents U.S. compared with 79.20 cents Tuesday. The April crude oil contract was up $1.54 at $61.29 per barrel. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. It's brought to you by Gowan Canada. 
Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.